Hi, this is Angie, host of the Nature Nurtured podcast. I have found that when I head outdoors with something on my mind and talk it out to the great wide world, spirit listens and often offers some pretty great advice. I invite you to join me today. We can move our bodies, soak in the amazingness of mama nature, and maybe even experience a little healing. My hope is that you take this conversation, find your own truths, remember who you are, and take that next leap on your own healing journey. Hello everyone, this is Angie, host of the Nature Nurtured podcast. Thank you for joining me today for this conversation. And this conversation is probably one of the most important ones that I think we've had to date. And you'll see why when we jump in. So in this episode that I recorded a couple of weeks ago, you will hear me talk about the history of the United States. And yes, I do give a little brief history lesson that will not be anything that is new news to anybody, but it just kind of sets the stage for what it is that I am grappling with as an American right now. And I just wonder if anybody else is feeling this the way I am. And if you are, I just wanted to tell you that it's okay. And if you aren't, that is okay too, but I would also encourage you to get curious and check in with some things. And I will talk about that in the episode. But this isn't, this is not an opportunity that I have taken to scold anyone. It is not me talking on a soapbox like I'm better than anybody else because I'm thinking about these things. It really is just a real time thought that has come in. And I got down on paper in a journal type setting. And then I've brought it to you via podcast episode. So you'll hear me in this episode struggle with, like I said, with being an American right now. And I want to lead off and and just kind of explain or I guess dive a little bit further into that here in this intro before we get into the actual episode and say that my concern throughout the episode when I say that I am not being unpatriotic or I I don't want to be unpatriotic when I say those things I'm thinking about those who have served this country and who have lost their life serving for this country um, been injured their lives changed forever They've given everything. I am so very aware of that. And I am so thankful for those people who have helped keep us free. I think the best way, in my opinion, the best way to honor those who have fought and given it their all is to extend the freedom that they were fighting for to everyone that lives here and everyone that wants to live here. Because as I talk about in this episode, I don't feel like that's the case. And especially after the overturning of Roe a few weeks ago, it's really up in the air for women again. And not to get into that too deeply, but I just wonder if, I heard somebody say the other day, if it was such a thing where it was a 50-50 chance on who got pregnant each time a man and a woman came together, who who was the one that was going to carry the baby and nobody knew going into it, how this would be different. And of course that isn't the case and of course we can't make that the case, but it's just something to think about. And I think that in this case, the freedom that we've, I mean, we've often fought for. I mean, that's the reason why people came here was this religious freedom. But I think having the freedom of religion doesn't mean that you get to take your religion. I don't get to take my religion and um, suppress other people with it. 
if that makes sense. Like it's, it is wonderful. Everybody should have the right to believe what they want to believe, but the freedom of choice should not be taken away in a situation, in a situation like this, where it is body autonomy. In my opinion, that's where I stand. It's like, I, I understand where people are coming from. I personally would not choose abortion over adoption, but that's not to say all the situations that come in between. That's a situation that's like, oh, you know, I unexpected pregnancy. My body is okay to carry it. I'm going to be okay emotionally giving up the baby. I can handle this. But that would, that would be my choice. And I don't want to make another woman choose that. Because giving up a child for adoption is something that a woman will have to live with forever. And I don't think that punishing a woman for being sexually active, and who knows what happened. I mean, maybe the birth control she was using wasn't working. Maybe it wasn't that she was just, you know, not being responsible. Maybe she was. And if she wasn't, still, it's not, I don't feel like it's any religious group's job to monitor that. And that's just me. That's where I'm coming from. Even though I personally, in in the situation I can think of. Now, there are situations where I maybe would if I was raped. If I was told that the baby was not viable. If it was for my health. I, I don't know until I'm in those situations. So I don't even want to say that I would never choose abortion. Because I haven't lived out all of those scenarios. So this is to say that the people who have fought for this country's freedom, I feel like that freedom should extend to this. And that's my opinion. And I get, I get into more examples of that. But I think if we think that everybody here has the same freedoms and that everything really is just and equal, we need to look harder and we need to look deeper because I think that's coming from the lived experience of being somebody who is privileged in some way. And I don't think people who are living from those places of privilege, from those places that are accepted in society in a different way than other choices, than other ways of being, They don't get to say, oh, well, you're not being suppressed. You're not being discriminated against. Unless you're living it, you don't get to say if people are or are not experiencing that. If you are not a person of color, you don't get to say that people of color aren't discriminated against. If you're not a woman, you don't get to say that. If you aren't a straight person, you don't get to say that about the LGBTQ community. And so on. I mean, there's so many, there's other situations that I'm I'm not even hitting on. But we don't, when we are coming from the place that is accepted as the norm, we don't get to say that the people who are what society deems different aren't feeling like they don't have equal rights. We don't get to say that. So I, I do get into... To detail in that, but I wanted I wanted to hit on that. I do, I just wanted to say that I think the people who fought for the freedom of this country to honor them best and to be the what the most patriotic Americans that we can be would be to help extend that freedom to everyone, even those who are trying to make a home in the United States. And I know there's a lot of contention about how that is done in the border situation. And what I want to say is people don't leave their home and everything they know and risk their lives to leave an awesome situation. They're leaving a desperate situation. And we've, I talk about dehumanizing people in order to do things to them 
and not feel bad about it. And I think that's some of what's happening with the border. Do I believe that we need to have a proper system to handle this and it should be done in an organized fashion? Yes, but I think also with compassion. We all are immigrants to this country. Some of us, our ancestors were here so long ago that it was more like a free-for-all. There wasn't customs to go through. There wasn't any kind of legalities that needed to happen. You just could come on a boat and come here. Later on, there was processing at Ellis Island and various other ports. And people did have to go through those steps and become a naturalized citizen. And I don't have, there's nothing wrong with that. But I think understanding and being compassionate about the people who choose to come here and choose to come here now because it, they are, their safety is in question and learn the language later, we need to have some compassion for that too. Our ancestors didn't know the language when they came here either. And I talked about that in the episode when I talked about my grandpa. There, when you are desperately leaving your country, you don't have time to learn the language for a couple years before you come. You figure you will learn it when you're immersed. And it's hard for adults. So I always, you know, give people grace. You know, kids pick things up easily. They're also immersed in it completely at school all day, every day. They learn it. But adults, think about that. How easy would it be for you If you had to, in an emergency type situation, leave this country and go to one that did not speak English and who was not going to help you by speaking English, because I will say when I've traveled abroad, everybody has been very accommodating in speaking English. Um, that, That is not always the grace that we give those who come here. Sometimes we do. And I think when we can come from a place of compassion that also honors the veterans who have fought for this country, the freedom for this country. I read a book in the last week that was set in the great depression and it talked about the, just the dire conditions here in the Midwest with the dust bowl and the years and years of drought and the families that had to choose to save their children. The dust was getting in their lungs. People were getting pneumonia. Children were dying. Older people were dying. Everybody was malnourished. And there was little to no help from the government. And when there was help from the government, these people were proud. They didn't want to take it. They'd never taken any anything, any handouts. And they weren't about to start. So they thought, well, let's move to where there's jobs. And they were told go to California, there's jobs. It's the land of milk and honey. That's what they were told. So they did. They maybe went by car. They maybe walked. They maybe hitched, you know, jumped on a train. They showed up. And of course, they're unkempt because they've traveled across the country. And they smell because they probably haven't had a bath in a really long time. And they were met with we don't want you here. We don't want your kind here. We're not going to rent to you. We are not going to employ you. You go work in the in the fields. And even then there was what one job for every 10 people. So they were forced to be homeless, live in those tent cities and horribly discriminated against, treated terribly. And they it be and they could do it. Those big corporations knew they could do it. Those big farms knew that these people would work for next to nothing because they were that desperate and they knew other people would take their job if they said no. They took full advantage of that fact. And they knew that these people did not want to take handouts. They accused them of taking handouts and being in the state and not having to pay taxes. They weren't allowed to be treated at hospitals. Like I said, nobody, even if they had rent money, because some of them came with some money, Nobody would rent to them. They're forced to work in a job that they're never going to get ahead in. Those those farms, you picked the fruit all day. You got credit that you could only spend in the store on site. 
and they took a percentage of it to allow you to do so even though there was no other way to exchange the credit to for cash and and that's how we treated people and you know what not a lot has changed and I talk about that in this episode about how this system is set up exactly the way it was designed. I mean, we are, the system's not broken is what I talk about. It's, it's alive and well, just as it was meant to be to help the wealthy get wealthier, to keep the few in power, to keep the rest of us always grinding, always, always working to survive so that we can't look up enough to notice the injustices. That's not on accident. It never has been on accident. So I know I've said it several times and I'll say it again. I struggle in this episode with talking about this because I feel like it may be taken the wrong way and you hear it. You hear it in my voice. You hear me talk about it. But after I recorded this and I had some more time to think, I thought about what we stand for here and what we stand for is freedom. That's why we're, that's why people came here to begin with, even though we did take the freedom away from others. And I talk about that. That's what drove us to come. So to honor those who have fought and to really, to, we can do better. We can be better for them. We can honor those who came before us by being better, by being more compassionate, by extending freedom to everyone. And so that's what I talk about in the episode today. And I will get into that in just a minute. But before I do, I did want to say thank you to those who have left ratings for me this week on this podcast, on Apple Podcast. I appreciate that so much. And also thank you uh, for the review, this one is from Divine Despina, and they say, I really love listening to Nature Nurtured. It's like chatting with a warm, supportive friend. It's a fun, easy podcast that gets into some deep topics, and Angie shares so much helpful bits of wisdom. Enjoy listening every week. So thank you for taking the time out of your day to write that. Thank you to those who have taken the time out of their day to click on those stars. The only reason I ever ask for anyone to rate and review is simply so that other people can find me more easily. The more ratings and reviews, I mean, that's just part of the algorithm. That's just part of the game. The more of those, the more people are going to be exposed to this podcast because it's going to be suggested to them for something that they may like because they're listening to something similar. So that is the only reason why I ask for, for people to do that. Um, I said I would not in the beginning, but I, I do think that the discussions we have here are worth sharing and the more who can listen and be a part of the conversation, you know, that that's helpful for, for a lot of reasons. So thank you to those who have done that. Um, thank you to those who are listening. I do appreciate it. And I really do see this as a conversation with you. And this, this is kind of a deep conversation. Like I said, at the very beginning, I mean, it's probably one of the most important ones that I've had thus far. I really did feel called to talk about it today. So with that, Let's go ahead and dive in. By the time this episode airs, we will have just celebrated Independence Day here in the United States. And in the past, I have always felt extremely patriotic on this day. And I don't know, I was always just very enthralled, fascinated, but by the whole idea of how we won our freedom from Britain. I've always loved this period in history. Just I even when I was little, I was always super drawn to that era. Um I've recently found out that I have ancestors who did fight in the revolutionary war as patriots. 
um, on a couple of different lines in my tree. And I am going to admit I love the musical Hamilton. I have actually also read a book and I the title, I cannot remember what it is, but it was a book about the life of Alexander Hamilton. And it is one of my favorite books of all time. Um, I'll try to find out what that one was. But anyway, regardless, um, you know, I even took the family on a vacation to Virginia. We went to Williamsburg, Jamestown, Yorktown, and I, of course, loved that. I always try to find something of historical significance when we go somewhere. I mean, that's pretty easy to do. Um, The kids still tease me about this vacation, Apparently, they were not as impressed as I was. Now, also, I will admit, we went at the end of May into early June, and it was uncharacteristically super hot and humid there, much like what we get here in Kansas. But it was just, usually, they don't have that until more like August. I mean, all the locals were saying that this was just terrible, and it usually isn't that way that time of year. So maybe it could have been the heat and humidity that they were complaining about, but um, they still say, don't let mom plan vacations because she always makes us go do history stuff. But I do like to think that they do learn things along the way, and I think they secretly kind of enjoy it. So anyway, um, so yeah, like I honestly could have just moved in and been one of those reenactors like living every day in costume um that would have just been living my very best life so uh if this whole healing practice podcast thing doesn't work out you know maybe someday when uh my husband retires and the kids are grown up you'll find me somewhere in period costume giving tours because for real like that is the other thing that just I love so anyway um you know, like I said, I've just, I've read countless books in this time period and I just really have like shamelessly romanticized the whole thing. And yeah. So then one day, and I cannot even really pinpoint when this happened, but it's like the veil dropped, the rose colored glasses were flung off and I found myself horrified at what I couldn't see before, but what I was seeing then, like what I see now. And what I see now is that we are a country founded on the notion of stealing land from the indigenous people who lived here for millennia. We cheated them and killed them without blinking an eye about it. And, you know, just for our own freedom to better our own lives, we took theirs. And this is not new news. We have been taught this, um, from the time that we're small. I don't know that that's exactly what's focused on in in the classroom. I mean, I think it's touched on, but I don't know how much that point is driven home. Um, but as an adult, you know, the more, the older I got, the more mature I got, the more I did allow myself to see it from the perspective of the people that history was not as kind to. Um, you know, we celebrate the fact, you know, that the native people helped us out, helped the European settlers out when they first came, when they, you know, in the colonies. Um, they helped save their lives those first couple of years, teaching them how to survive on the land and what to plant and when. And and we really hit on that nicely. But what gets kind of glossed over is the harsh reality of how what we did to those people. And I'm not saying that history teachers are not doing their job. I mean, I, I do think in high school it is definitely talked about in more detail. And that's probably because the kids are mature enough to handle that. And so I get that. Um, but, you know, I've always just been very open with my kids about that from the time they were little because... I I don't feel like that should be something that's covered up for them, you know, and that's my parental decision there. But anyway, so 
you know, I always, I knew that stuff. Like I, I've always loved history. So I was aware, I was aware of the negative impacts on the native people when European settlers came. I, I was aware that that all happened prior to the Revolutionary War and then continued to happen afterwards as we expanded from those original colonies westward and we just greedily kind of um, gobbled up the rest of the country and kept pushing the native people west and then ultimately we all know how that played out as they were forced you know along the trail of tears and other and other ways and means of getting people moved to reservations and you know they had to relocate to places that were foreign to them that was not their home territory. They weren't accustomed to the climate, maybe, or the growing seasons. Um, they did not have access to the way of being able to hunt like they used to. I mean, it was very constricted and restricted pieces of land that they were given. And of course, also, you know, um, the European settlers were not going to give the native people the best pieces of land to resettle on you know I mean they got kind of the leftovers that we thought were any good and then we find out oh there's gold here oh there's oil here and then off you go you know move move along so I just I cannot imagine what that must feel like to not only be moved from your homeland that that's all you've ever known and all of your ancestors have ever known um to a piece of land that is foreign and and very just restrictive you know and and how that must have felt and and that even that could be taken away and nobody cared I mean how disheartening I mean just thinking about like if somebody came here now and did that to us we would flip out I mean, and they they did too. I mean, of course they did. Of course they fought back when they realized that this was going to be an issue. I mean, if they thought it would help, they did. Some were like, well, this is not going anywhere. We better just, you know, do what we're asked to do or it's going to mean death. So it was kind of pick your poison there, um, unfortunately. So I guess, you know... It just is hard to think about that we we got to become the United States ultimately after the colonies won the war. And while, yes, there that's, you know, I do romanticize that part where, you know, they fought so hard and they overcame all the odds and they were this ragtag army that was up against this professional army that Britain sent and the German um, soldiers that they also sent over and... And yes, it's like, oh my gosh, they were so full of grit and they were so strong and they were so resilient and they, they came against all odds. And George Washington, you know, he was such a good leader and, and all of those things. Like, yes, I have, I do sense the pride in being a part of that, but it was also to the detriment of this whole other group of people. And I just... Because that's not my reality and I have not had to suffer the consequences of that in my daily life, it's easy to forget about that. So not to be like the bummer of like, oh, I'm not proud to be an American. That's that's not the point in this. The point is, is looking at this from the very beginning, the negative energy that kind of went in to colonizing this country. And then, of course, it continued with um, the kidnapping of African people, putting them on a boat, shackling them, not allowing them to come up out of the belly of that ship where they just were packed in so tight. It was so suffocating. And with all the excrement and just the disease and you know a lot of them didn't make it and maybe that was for the best for them I mean obviously the best would have been to leave them alone in their own country where they were happily doing what they were doing going about their lives of course that's best case scenario but then they were kidnapped and forced to come to the United States I mean maybe the ones who didn't make it across the ocean were the lucky ones as sad and awful as that is to say, putting myself in their shoes and knowing what awaited them here on our shores. Mm. 
and knowing that as you reproduce, sometimes not by choice, you're bringing more and more children into this system of slavery. (sighs) That's a lot. That's a lot. Now, I don't know. They didn't know that. They didn't understand maybe what was happening. There was a language barrier there, but they knew they were taken by force and were being taken somewhere and the outcome was not going to be nice. Um, So that had to have been horrific. Um, I've, I've read a book about, about a girl's experience in that, um, and just thinking about this off the top of my head, I don't have the title in front of me, but it very much detailed her capture, her experience on the boat, her experience as a slave. Um, very, I mean, it's fiction, but I think it was based on a true story of this person's account. Somehow there was documentation of this and, and I may be wrong on that, but I feel like it was based on a real person. And if I can, I think I have it on my bookshelf unless I've lent it out to somebody, but if I have it, I will, I'll try to, um, put that in the, the show notes in case you want to read that. Um, very profound story. So anyway, so yeah, not only did we take the land that we had no business taking, we also brought people here against their will to help us build our country. You know, they they worked our fields and made us wealthy. They took care of our children. They helped build this country with the blood, sweat, and tears for free. Some maybe were treated more humanely than others, but anytime you're owned and you have no agency over your own life, you know, there's, that's, there's not much to be happy about. Um, and, and, and that's not new news to anybody either. We know this, we know that that was part of our history. We know that from what I can tell, um, I think the the first documented um, slave ship or people brought here to be slaves landed in Jamestown in 1619. Um, the slavery wasn't abolished until 1865, and that's almost 250 years of the institution of slavery. And we also know that just because the war ended and they were emancipated did not mean that everything was equal and, and, and right at that point. Um, you know, it took another hundred years for the civil rights movement to happen. And even at that, um, we, we know that discrimination is alive and well today. It just blows my mind, though, that my dad remembers going, I think he said, that, like to Arkansas when he was a kid and seeing the whites-only sign in the restaurant windows. And that blows my mind. I mean, that was my dad. That wasn't like a great-grandparent. You know, that was my dad who saw that. He was born in 1956. And just that 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 hasn't been that long ago that even that was okay you know it it blows my mind it blows my mind that it took a war to end slavery i mean just there's so it's all about money and greed and power and wealth and screw human rights sometimes you know and so it's it's hard to celebrate sometimes knowing that that's yet another negative energy, you know, going into the founding of this country. I mean, the founding fathers were slave owners. Um, They, you know, and I know that they wrestled with it. I know that they did what they could, um, but ultimately to keep the peace with the other white men, wealthy white men who were in charge, they, said, you know what? Okay, we'll leave slavery as is. We won't do away with that. So it's just a lot. It's a lot. And I know in my own research into my ancestry, um, I have ancestors who were slave owners. I've seen the documentation that shows their slaves, their handful of slaves, 
um, listed by gender and age. I've seen it. And I just think those are somebody else's ancestors that will never be able to track them down because there's not a name. And how much of a white privilege that is for me to be able to even trace my lineage. You know, and so I think about that and and also I I know that I have ancestors in my lineage that were part of the I don't know if you would call them pioneers or that moved west and settled on territory where native people still lived. I know that I've read family stories of there being fear of Indian attacks and you know rightfully so. They were not they were encroaching on territory that was not for them. And, you know, as brave as they were to, like, travel into the wilderness. And, I, you know, I've read the story of, you know, the, the woman that um, walked all that way through across Pennsylvania. Um, and she was pregnant and she made it. And then they, she ended up having 11 kids, raised them in a log cabin. And in this, in this wilderness and with this fear of attack. And... While part of me is like, man, that took a lot of grit. That's tough. Like, I would never be able to do that. Um, The other part of me is like, why? You know, why did they feel like that that was okay? And the answer I get is like, it was accepted. It was accepted by society. It was, people didn't think anything of it. And I, I do think people, they do the best they can with the information that they have. And it was you know, people were, were programmed to think that the native people who were here first were not, you know, they were not as human as white people. And so, you know, when you dehumanize someone in that way, it's a lot easier to take away their rights and to treat them poorly and to kill them. And so it's this this teeter-totter in my mind of like, you know, where, where are you proud and where do you question and what do you, you know, it's, it's a lot. And I mean, it's with, with that and with the, um, the slave owning as well. I mean, my roots are, um, I didn't realize this until recently how, how deeply Southern they are. And, um, it kind of makes me sick to my stomach knowing that my ancestors played a role in, in owning other people and in, you know, removing other people, you know, people from their, their land. And, and like I said, and it's not to excuse them, um, but they, they didn't, they lived in a society that had dehumanized people of color and indigenous people. And when you are raised that way and when society says it's okay and when it's promoted to do these things and it's normalized, nobody rocks the boat. I mean, a few people rock the boat, but the majority of people are just like, well, yep. And it wasn't their concern. I mean, they weren't suffering because of it. They were getting something good out of it. So I don't know. It's it's just this teeter-totter of emotions that I, that I go through. So... Anyway, and then I, I, I also think about women and how while they weren't discriminated against in, in the same way as people of color and indigenous people, they too helped to build this country as second class citizens. No, they did not have, they were not treated like people of color or indigenous people that that was it was different but they were still they were still treated by men as less than they were expected to know their place they were not allowed to be a part of any decision making no voting no owning property definitely not having your own way to make an income um, or access to a bank account that was just yours that you had full agency over 
uh, it was very much, they were very much kept small, kept um, having babies, kept in the home to be the helpmate so that their the man in the family, whether it was their father or their their spouse, could go and do the things in the world that they could do. So, um, huh. yeah, they didn't really have, I mean, the, the rights were not equal there either. Um, and in a way, you know, women have also been dehumanized in history. Um, it's, it's not new news to anybody that throughout history, men have felt like, you know, they can do what they wish with a woman's body. Not all men, um, but enough that it obviously is an issue that they can take what they want when they want. And, you know, if a, a pregnancy occurs because of that, it's the woman's fault. It's her fault. You know, slut, whore, wench, all the things. Um, she was dirty because she got pregnant. Well, who who put that seed inside of her? And nobody seemed to care that it maybe happened in a violent way. And even if it didn't happen in a violent way, even if it was consensual, she was the one labeled loose. Not the man. So definitely always a double standard. And just, I think to treat women how they they were often treated throughout history and again I know this was not every man um, but it happened often enough I mean they had to have dehumanized us us women in order to do those things and I think that's that's the key in all of this how do we do awful things to other humans you have to in your mind Tell yourself that they're less than, that they're not as human as you. Because how else can you whip someone until blood pours from their back and not think twice about it? How else can you sell children away from their mothers? How else can you take advantage of a woman's body like she's just your disposable toy for the evening? How else can you give innocent people blankets that are laced with smallpox? The only way that one human can do that to another human is if we dehumanize them. You know, and in a lot of this, you know, I heard the other day, I heard somebody say, we don't have a broken system. This system is, it's working exactly the way it was set up to. And I'd never thought of it that way. I mean, I'm one of those people that's like, oh my gosh, the system's broken. You know, people are, you know, they're, they're having a hard time. Like the, they're not getting paid living wages and there's, there's discrimination and all of these things. And, and it's like, no, that's how this country was set up to run. It was set up to cater to wealthy white men, period. And that is a fact. And that is not just my opinion. Like, that is fact. And so, yeah, the system is alive and well. And I, I've heard several people say that. And it really, the more I think on that, I'm like, yeah, that is, that is a fact. And it's an ugly truth. And understanding that and looking at that and questioning that does not and it, it's not about hating on wealthy white men or white men in general. You know, they, I think about how when the European settlers came here, they were, they brought with them, these men brought with them their own ancestral trauma that they have carried for centuries and centuries. I mean, look at, and I just think of Europe because that's where I am most knowledgeable in my history. And that's where the majority of people were coming from during those colonial revolutionary times is they were coming from from Europe and you know you think about the history of Europe and 
you know, it was filled with war and I mean, oh my gosh, the things that I've read about, you know, during the 13, 14, 1500s, the torturing of people and like keeping the peasants, you know, pe- keeping people super poor. You had the royalty and then they pretty much owned everything. And it's like in keeping everyone else around poor because it's really so much easier to control people when they're uneducated and they are poor and they depend on you for everything. Um, and that's what they were coming from. They were coming from centuries of that. And so it was just, that's, that was the mentality. It like constant war, you know, over territory and just bloody, bloody battles that were fought, you know, hand to hand combat. I mean, it's, they, barbaric, you know, and that's, that was just where humans were at that time. I mean, we've evolved since then some, um, but they brought that, that trauma here. And so it's not their fault. And I'm not here to hate on men. I'm just saying that they were programmed to be that way. It had been okay for a really long time. And if you happen to be born into a human suit that is a white male human suit, you know, that's that was the way you saw life. You, I mean, you only can... You can only view life through your own lived experience. I mean, that's what we have. That's what we have to work with. The key is, is to, to learn to look outside of that. To know that there's more than just my lived experience as a white middle-aged woman at this time. Because I know my lived experience is a heck of a lot different than a woman of color. And that, after the George Floyd incident in 2020, and there just seemed to be a lot of content put out by people of color who were willing to teach people like me that have had white privilege their whole life. They were willing to tell their stories. They were willing to tell us how it is. I didn't know. I I mean, I wasn't raised to know that. And that's not the fault of my parents. There weren't maybe the resources available like there are today. You know, we're so interconnected with social media and the internet now. I mean, that's one big positive of that is that we have that. And I have consumed the content put out by people of color to educate myself. I have watched their social media. I have watched documentaries that they put out. I have shared those things with my kids. And you know what? My kids, they, they're like, yeah, mom, we know. Like this is not, they're more educated about it probably than my generation is because they've been so interconnected all along. I mean, since they were little, with the way media is and just the access they have to that. They live in a more global community than my generation did. So even though we live in rural America, they have access to people who are different than they are. And I think that is a beautiful thing. It is one of the most beautiful things that have co- that has come out of the world of technology, you know? Um, and so I do, I, I try to consume that content. I, I really, and I need to do better about it. I, I, I could do more. I could read more books. I could consume more videos. I could have more um, things that I watch on social media, you know, that have to do with that. Because knowledge is power in that. You know, awareness is key. Um, I just feel like I've spent a lot of my life living in a white bubble. And I, my eyes are open you know, I try to open them wider all the time. And I think that's, I think that's what this message is about today is. So now what, you know, I've talked about how, you know, this country was born on some pretty negative, negative energy. And that's a fact. And that's just what it is. And, but we can't rewind time. So like, what, what's the point? What's the point of taking up a half hour so far of your time to talk about things that you probably already knew about? I mean, everybody's been in history class. 
we know these things. I think what I really wanted to say after that whole, you know, pre-ramble, preamble, <laughs> um, is that we, we can do better. You know, we, we can educate ourselves. It's not the job of people of color to educate us. If they are volunteering to do so, if they are putting out the content, please consume it. They're do- they are doing that because they feel called to, but they don't have to do that. And But we are fortunate that they do because they are our teachers. And I just encourage you, consume, 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 educate, educate, educate. Um, I think that is the key here because we can be proud to be Americans because we notice that this isn't perfect and that we know we have work to do. That is something to be proud of and seeing the ugly and not pretending that it doesn't exist and not whitewashing everything. And that is kind of a hot debate right now as far as in the K-12 school system, what, what information should be presented to children? What can we teach them? And white guilt has been a hot topic. There are parents who do not want their kids to sit in the classroom and feel guilty because of the atrocities that white people have brought upon people of color. They do not want their kids to feel guilty about that. But my question to that is, who's feeling guilty? Is it the parents? Because they need to unpack what's behind all of that. Why is that such a trigger for them? I'm going to guess the kids are probably more open-minded and have been exposed to more worldly things than their parents have. So I don't know. I mean, it's this case of parents protecting their kids, and I get that. I mean, I want to put my kids in a bubble sometimes too, but it's a disservice. It's really a disservice to them to protect them from everything. They need to see the harsh reality, and they do. When else in our history have kids seen things as they unravel firsthand? I mean, when I was growing up, if you might happen to hear a snippet of something on the news, but if, you know, your parents didn't want you to have access to it, you turn the channel or turn the TV off or you're told to go outside and play. And what kid was sitting around watching the news? And it wasn't in our face all the time. You know, I didn't have cable. So you got the evening news when it was on and it was, you know, you had your four basic channels to pick from. So you could, I mean, kids could be sheltered. Kids are not sheltered anymore. If your kid has TikTok or Instagram or whatever else, I don't even know what's out there. I probably should be more aware of that. But if they have those things, they are seeing, they are seeing what's going on in the world. You know, the same with like the school shootings and stuff. They're aware of that. They know that that's their reality that they live in today. And I just, I don't know. I mean, yes, we, we don't want them to consume it 24-7. We want to be able to have conversations with them around it and not leave them to process it all on their own. But the conversations are what, that's what's key. You know, that's how we change things is by being aware, by really paying attention and by having conversations about it. And then you educate yourself and then you, you do better. I mean, that's the goal. Um, And I think even as an adult, just being present enough to be aware of things. Like, pay attention when you're out in public and watch how people treat other people. Watch how people are treated at restaurants, how people are treated at stores if their skin is not white. Watch how or listen to how your family and friends talk because, you know, there's still some, there's still pretty deep 
racial slurs, you know, embedded in the part of the country where I'm living. I don't know if that's how it is everywhere. And I don't see it in my family and with my friends, but I, I know out in public, you know, you hear things or it's, and it's so deeply rooted that like the things that come out of people's mouth, they don't even see anything wrong with it. Like they don't even know that they shouldn't say that half the time. Sometimes they do, but sometimes those older generations, they don't even know. I mean, it was the norm. That's the way they've been talking for 80 years, for 70 years. I mean, I don't know. They don't know. But I think being aware and paying attention and watching and seeing things firsthand is important. And if you're in a position where you can say something, if you notice that someone's not being treated correctly, or if somebody you're in a group with says something that's not appropriate, I mean, feeling like you can stand up and say, hey, you know, I'd rather, you know, not hear you talk about that. Can we, can you just not say that word around me or whatever? I don't know. It's up to you to see how you would how you would handle that but think about it like how would you handle that and could you like would you be confident and comfortable enough to to say something it's hard because especially if you're the only one in the group that feels that way I mean I don't know it's it's hard I don't know what I would do I mean I know what I should do but when it comes right down to it you know if if you do say something is it going to change anything is it going to matter is it just going to start an argument like what what's going to happen I guess you just have to weigh and see if it's important enough to put yourself out there. And, and, and it's hard. It's so hard, especially in small communities. It really is. So that's, that's where I'm at with everything. Just being aware, consuming content that will educate me on the issues. And then just understanding that even though there's a lot of negativity surrounding the founding of this country. And it's, it's not to say that we don't have a chance. You know, it's not to say that we just write, write us off forever as being a hot mess. It feels like a hot mess right now. Absolutely. It does. Um, but I, I think there is hope. And side note on all of this, some of you may follow astrology and, and have heard about this, but it is the, the Pluto return of the United States. And what that means is Pluto takes 250 years-ish to go all the way around the sun back to the starting point. So we are in the same place right now like starting I think like back in February where Pluto was 250 years ago and that was like the founding of the United States so we're back in the same the same place there's those same energies that same energy of rebellion of pushback of you can't tell us what to do we're not going to pay taxes and not be represented anymore. We are across the, you know, like we are our own independent, like it, it, the revolution. It's, there's that same revolutionary energy now that there was at that time. And what that means, I guess we'll see, you know, who's to say, um, if you believe in astrology, then you probably are aware of that and you and you probably know more about that than I do. But um, if you don't, uh, that's, I guess, just something to kind of... You can look into that deeper if you want to. I'm not going to get super deep into that other than that Pluto is just... Pluto is about transformation and death and rebirth and calling us to dig into those shadow things so the energy's there to do it. You know, if we can look at it that way, like this is the time like to make change and not in a violent way, but like enough is enough, you know? 
And, and I know change doesn't happen overnight. It absolutely does not. I mean, anything worth its salt is going to take a while, you know, because we've worked real hard at this and we've done a lot of band-aiding. And not to say that those band-aids weren't important at the time because you know what? They held things in place for a little bit. So not to discount those band-aids. But at some point, just like a wound, you know, if you've got some festering sore or a broken bone or something, a band-aid's not going to fix that. Eventually, all that nasty pus and stuff needs to come out or that bone needs to, sometimes has to be, if it you know, if you just put the band-aid on it and it, and it healed up wrong, you got to re-break it and do it again. So, you know, there's energy to support that right now. There's energy to look at these shadow places in our country and, and do better. And that, that's what, again, that's what this whole thing was about. And I, I don't want it to sound unpatriotic and doom and gloom and all of that. Um, coming right on the, the tail of just celebrating Independence Day. You know, and, it, and I think most people, you know, do they think about the history of it? Probably not. I mean, I don't know. The average American probably sees it as a weekend or a time of barbecue, uh, pool party, fireworks. I mean, yard games, like fun like the height of summer before you have to start thinking about school starting again because man as soon as fourth of july is over it's like back to school ads come on tv so it's like that sweet spot of summer i don't know how many people really like think as in depth as i do about the history of it all i mean probably not very many people so again and that's all fabulous. I mean, do the things, be with family and friends, have a good time. I mean, I'm sure people did and that's great. And I, and I don't want to sound like I'm pooping on their party and like, oh my gosh, you shouldn't do that. No, absolutely. Enjoy, enjoy summer. Like we need, I mean, celebration, we need it. We need happy times, but just understanding that that whole holiday, the whole founding of this country is like, ooh, we need to kind of do some work around that. Because I think we can. We humans, I really do think, you know, we are for the most part good hearted, compassionate beings. We do the best with what we have to work with. You know, you can only operate from a place of what you know and what you've been exposed to your whole life. There are some individuals who break out of some really conditioned thinking and and go on and break away from those things on their own. But a lot of times, you know, how you're raised determines how you are. And so, yeah, that it, but at our heart, I mean, we are, we are, we, we want to be, kind and compassionate and helpful to others. I think we just get really caught up in our own realities. And the reality is, is that, um, white privilege is a real thing and, and we've lived it. Um, and so I think just kind of bursting that bubble and, and looking around, I mean, that is something to celebrate, like that we can change and that we can do better. So, I hope this didn't come off as like an unpatriotic rant or like a doom and gloom and like, oh my gosh, because there is something to be done about it. It's not hopeless. So you know how I am. I always just like to bring attention to the things. And I really had journaled on this prior. And man, after I sat down and just wrote and wrote and wrote about this, I had to go lay down out on in the yard on a blanket. So I didn't get chiggers, but I did like I, it, it really, it made my, like I could feel, and even talking about it right now, like I feel the same sensation in my body. Like now that we're almost 45 minutes into this spiel, like my neck has gotten tight. The back of my head has gotten tight. I don't have a headache yet. Like I did when I wrote on this, but, um, it's like, I, it stirs up all those emotions that I think I carry and I think other people probably carry too. And that's why we don't like, it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable to talk about this. 
It is. But sometimes we have to do uncomfortable shit to like clean things up and make things right. And so when I push this little red button with an X on it, when I am done with this, I am probably going to have to go find a blanket and lay in the yard because it, I just feel emotionally spent after talking about this. And again, I hope this has been well received. I hope it gives you something to think about that maybe you haven't thought on before. And, you know, just a different perspective. And by all means, you know, enjoy your, enjoy your holiday stuff. You know, goodness, we, we all need something to, to make, you know, to be happy about. So anyway, I will stop here and I just hope that, um, you all are well, you've all had a chance to get outside in nature today and until next time, bye for now. One more thing before I go. In the show notes, I have listed some a podcast and some book recommendations, author recommendations, social media recommendations, and I think there's even a, a shop recommendation um, for people of color. Um, if you are needing resources to further educate yourself, Uh, These are ones that I would recommend, and I just want to thank my sister for helping me to compile these. I very much appreciate that, and um, I do hope that you take advantage. I know that I will also continue to take a deep dive because I need to see life through a different experience than just my own. Thank you for listening today. I love having you join me, even though I'm technically out here, just me and my dogs. It is exciting and heartwarming to know you are out there too, listening, walking, adding in your thoughts as we go. As always, I hope everyone has had a chance to nurture themselves with a little bit of nature today. Mother Earth always has the best medicine.